Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's going on, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brame here with another exciting edition of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Plenty to get to on this episode of the Crossover. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Makes it easy to find us because, well, we find you. You are uh, getting the episodes downloaded directly uh, into your iTunes when we release the episode. So it uh, just makes it easier for you. But anyway, plenty of things to get to, as I said. We'll talk a little Georgia-Auburn. We'll talk the Kentucky game coming up this weekend. The college football playoff rankings came out uh, last night as we record this on a Wednesday. And we will also talk the Falcons and their much-needed win over the Dallas Cowboys. But we'll start over on the Plains where it was not a good Saturday for Georgia football in any facet other than Georgia opens the scoring on their uh, opening drive of the game, and then it got really bad really quickly after that. Yeah, that was a uh, a bad, bad day for Georgia that sees the dogs plummet from 1-7 to seven now in the uh, college football playoff rankings. Not that it uh, matters much if Georgia wins out. There's uh, no way that the dogs won't be in the playoff. I guess where it matters is... Um, how we start to view a potential Auburn rematch or even a game with Alabama and how Georgia might match up in a uh, in a game like that. But it was, um, you know, it was definitely a sobering afternoon. I certainly anticipated the probability that Georgia could go to Auburn last week and uh, lose that game. But I just, I didn't think Georgia, I didn't see Georgia just getting blown out in that game. And that is a, uh, you know, that's still one more thing that this program's got to overcome. And I guess that's still on the things to do list for next season. But Georgia has been blown out now in a game every year since 2006. Yeah, it's something we just can't get away from, unfortunately. And, and this one was just complete and utter domination in every facet. I mean, you look at the, the yardage totals. Uh, Jared Stidham threw for 214 yards compared to Jake Fromm's 184. Uh, the rushing totals really what gets you though I mean Georgia as a team only rushed for a combined 46 yards carry on Johnson alone for Auburn rushed for 167 you throw in what uh, Eli Stove was able to do with 55 and it was just a massacre on the ground and Auburn controlled the game in that regard and in the SEC with a lot of these teams that are very successful if you can run the ball like that to set up the pass you're going to be able to win a lot of games and that's certainly what Auburn did and Jared Stidham definitely picked his spots uh, to uh, to put the ball <clears throat> into the end zone as he did throw three touchdown passes. But a lot of it was Georgia shooting themselves in the foot. And one of those touchdown passes doesn't happen if, um, if DeAndre Walker doesn't leap up over the top uh, there on the uh, punt block attempt. And uh, Georgia just gave him points there. So it was a combination of Auburn really executing their game plan about as well as you can in every facet and then Georgia helping them out by, by committing stupid penalties and uh, not playing fundamental sound, fundamentally sound football, which is something they'd done all season. Yeah, I mean, twice. The, the moment you talked about, and then the muffed punt after Georgia forced a three and out to start right. the second half. At that point, you're getting the ball back, and it's still only 16-7. to uh, seven. 
And so those are two moments where the defense did show up and uh, defend that Auburn offense. But when you gave them a second crack at it, it just uh, started to spiral out of control and uh, and just got way out of uh, hand. It's odd, like how I would, I'd almost feel better about Saturday if the impression I got for uh, with Georgia's performance was that it was one of those days that Georgia just didn't. They were ill prepared. Uh, we're overlooking Auburn. Right. Auburn was just the hungrier, more desperate team and won. But uh, that's not the feeling I no. got. I didn't think just that domination. Georgia yeah. just got dominated. Right. I mean that, and so I don't. I would feel better if I could just say, like, you know, Georgia just did. I mean, they just showed up, and and it was one of those where they didn't even bother to get off the bus. I mean, those like last year at Ole Miss or something right, like right. that. But like, no, this was just. They dominated and controlled the lines of scrimmage, and you know the dogs got to get through these next two weeks. I understand that against Kentucky and uh, Tech, but I, I, I still it's hard not to, you know, start to to think about if we play those guys again in the SEC championship game. I mean, how much is going to change between now and then when it comes to how one sided the game was in the trenches? Well, if it is Auburn. Again, it wouldn't be the same home field advantage, and that's one of the loudest crowds I remember hearing in a long time of going to these games. I, I don't remember uh, Georgia playing in this hostile of an environment in a while, and, and those Auburn fans were loud from start to finish. So the environment would be different, but the players on the field certainly wouldn't be. And it's almost weird to say, but just based on what I've seen out of Alabama and what I've seen out of Auburn, you know, would you rather see Alabama just just based on the tape? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds I really strange I to say, but I mean, I'm I'm sitting here asking myself now if Georgia had to play Auburn again, I believe the defensively we we'd be better prepared to stop and slow down what they want to do because again, there were two moments the 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 penalty on the punt and the muffed punt where Georgia had gotten stops and then immediately gave them the ball right uh, right back, mm-hmm. but. You know, it, it. I go back to okay. Well, will George's offense be able to have any more success against Auburn, even on a neutral field, than the Dogs had last week at Auburn? And that's where I'm like, where's that going to come from? Because the reason Georgia couldn't do anything on offense Saturday was because our offensive line could not block their defensive line. And is that going to change in three weeks? Well, it was the trenches. It was both sides of the football. Georgia's offensive line couldn't block Auburn's defensive line. And Georgia's defensive line just couldn't get any pressure. I mean, they got two sacks, but just consistently they couldn't get any pressure, and Auburn's offensive line was just opening up huge holes. So Auburn 100% won that game on the lines of scrimmage. And like you're saying, what what's going to change? You know, yeah. what's going to change between now and then? So three weeks from now, you know, nothing. I mean, can anything other than the fact that Georgia might execute a little better? But you're, I'm certainly worried about an SEC title game appearance, but – at the same time, you know, this could just be one of those uh, situations where maybe Georgia did come out flat and we just don't feel like that's the way that happened. But maybe that is what happened and you can try and, and look at the positives. And I'll say one of the positives is this. Jake Fromm, in the face of all of the adversity he faced on Saturday, and believe me, there was a lot, you know, he still went out there and, and, and you know, there was a uh, – uh, Sony Michelle came out with a quote saying how impressed he was with the guy's leadership throughout the course of the game, even if Georgia was getting you know bludgeoned the whole time. And I can't really put this game on Jake Fromm. I mean, he was only 13 of 28, but a lot of the times he was kind of running for his life and trying to get around, and he got sacked four times. And somebody tweeted me during the game, like, should Georgia make a quarterback switch here to, to try and ignite the passing game with Jacob Beeson? I go, look, 
you could have Joe Montana, Tom Brady, whoever back there, and if the offensive line isn't protecting for them and they're not opening holes in the running game, you're going to make it extremely hard on your quarterback, and nobody can have success behind an offensive line that played the way Georgia's did on Saturday. No, I mean, Eason, Eason doesn't have the mobility either. He'd have been a no. sitting duck yeah, back there, too. Worse. So, with no threat to uh, to run. And, I mean, that was the first game this season where you saw a team that was – because a lot of teams have tried so far this season. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stack the line of scrimmage, and we're going to try and stop you from running and force you into throwing. Well, and every team's done that against Georgia this right. year. Right, but, but, you know, Auburn was the first team that was actually able to stop them right. from I mean, running. Well, you saw Missouri, you saw Florida in the beginning of those games – Georgia's running yards weren't very easy to come by, but eventually they wore them down, wore them down, and, and the dam burst. So that didn't happen against Auburn. I mean, Auburn was just wave after wave after wave, and Georgia could do nothing about it. So this this was complete and utter domination on every side of the ball, and it was, it was unfortunate. But at the same time, it, it shows you that, yes, Georgia is very – well, or Georgia's doing a very good job under Kirby Smart right now of improving the talent of, of developing players, but they're still a little ways away from being up on the same level as some of these other schools. They're, they're still working on the recruiting classes. They're still trying to build in the image of some of these other successful programs. And I think this season is sort of a bonus if you're a Georgia fan. I, a lot of people thought that 2019 or 2018, those would be the years that Georgia could be super, super successful. So by it coming this year already and Georgia only having one loss, I think you've got to feel pretty good about where Georgia is right now. You obviously don't want to hear that coming off of a a beat down the way that Auburn did beat Georgia, but I think that even if Georgia goes to the SEC championship game, loses, you're still going to be in a good bowl game. You're still going to be set up really well for next year and years to come, but at the same time, there's still a lot to play for this season. So even Booger McFarland said it on that – kind of abbreviated show last night in between the two basketball games when they did the college football playoff rankings you know don't count georgia out yet no and i'm not um i still think georgia is as good as anybody in the country and capable of beating anybody in the uh um in the country and you know and you do i mean you're in this position now and you want to try and take advantage of it because i mean i agree with you i don't think no matter how this season plays out nobody's going to come out of it thinking that the future looks looks bleak for georgia Mm -hmm. but at the same time we don't know we have no idea I mean, this is a uh, maybe this is just a, one of those moments in time where everything t- came together and it was a, a perfect storm for Georgia to have this uh, season and hopefully they'll be able to uh, to finish it off. But um, you know, and you got to beat Kentucky obviously this weekend. I'm not worried about uh, about that game as I've been saying. I mean, uh, a week ago we just sat here and said Georgia's going to bludgeon Kentucky Saturday. Mm. Georgia going to. Auburn and losing does not suddenly make me think that Georgia's vulnerable to losing at home to uh, to a Kentucky team that, and I hesitate to bring this up, but when they won here in 2009, they've won four SEC road games since then, two at South Carolina, one at Missouri, and then one last week at uh, at Vanderbilt. That's it. And so, you know, I don't all of a sudden think that, okay, I'm really nervous now about this game this week because Georgia got blown out at Auburn, whereas a week ago I had no nerves about it. Um, you know, and even ditto for Tech to uh, close out the season too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I feel the same way about those games because <clears throat> Auburn is a team that had some, you know, they played one of the best teams in the country early on in Clemson and lost, and they lost to an LSU team that is has improved, uh, you know, after the uh, – uh, you know the loss to a uh, Troy, and and they've been 
a team that's kind of been up and down, but I still think LSU's a good football team. So Auburn's losses uh, aren't bad losses, but at the same time, the way that they beat Georgia, it just leaves a lot of questions for, well, if Georgia plays that team again, you know, we've said this a couple times already, what, what's going to be different? And I just, in this short of a period of time, I just don't know what adjustments Georgia can make. Maybe other than, like you said earlier, Georgia might be more prepared for what Auburn does on offense. But outside of that, you know, you still have to go out there and block. You still have to go out there and get around blocks. So it's uh, it's just a lot a lot of questions that are still left from that performance. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're not you're you're not going to have the the hostile road environment. You're not going to have Auburn really feeling in that uh, you know that that desperate home team mm-hmm. mode that um, that they were in. And look, I mean, quite frankly, too. You know, most of this season has kind of felt like a, a Georgia revenge tour from some of those losses that the Dogs had in 2016. But uh, you know, Saturday was one of the big games that Georgia's played this season when it wasn't uh, part of that because Auburn's actually one of the teams the Dogs did beat in 2016. But it was Auburn maybe that felt like the the need for vengeance as they came here and lost and uh, really spoiled their chance to at least have a game against Alabama be for the SEC West last uh, year but that's on the bright side of things um for georgia it uh it hasn't it hasn't in any way reduced the access that the dogs have to make to the playoff georgia's just you got to win out and you're in and that was the case last week too the one other scenario might have been losing the sec championship game as an undefeated team and still getting in but um so for georgia you know, I think the there's there's plenty still in front of the dogs. Everything that was in front of Georgia last week is still there. But here's what we do have now. We've got one of the most interesting and biggest iron balls that we've had now in a long, long time. So mm-hmm. all of the college football world should be thanking Georgia for losing that game to Auburn because it sets up, I mean, just a tremendous game next week between Auburn and Alabama. It does. So. There's no question about that. That is going to be one to watch, certainly. But I'm just, at this point... It's crazy to say, but just based on what I've seen, I think Alabama's a better matchup for Georgia than Auburn is. Which well, they're a little bit beat up on defense. I mean, yeah, and I mean it is. It's natural. We just saw Auburn beat the crap out of us, and then Alabama almost lost to Mississippi State. But I don't know. I know it's 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 weird to say, but I think I'd rather play Alabama too. Neither one of them are the best options. If no. we could pick somebody, like, could we play Ole Miss? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or Arkansas? Yeah. yeah, can we play Arkansas, please? But yeah. No, I, I think, too, that with Georgia right now, it's like <clears throat> the Kentucky game, you mentioned it earlier, what happened against Auburn doesn't change my opinion on what I think Georgia's going to do to Kentucky. You know, it's senior day. It should be a pretty good environment, 3.30 kick here in Athens. So I think the dogs will go out there and take care of business and you know, Georgia doesn't really lose in Atlanta uh, in terms of playing against Tech there. So uh, uh, that should be one that, you know, Georgia goes out there and, and wins as well. Although Tech is just one of these Jekyll and Hyde teams. You don't know what you're going to get week to week with them. I mean, you know, they lost to um, they lost to Virginia, but they beat Virginia Tech. So they, uh, I mean, their, o- their offense is still scary. Um, I, you know, it's one of those teams where, you know, I think Georgia should be able to score. Um, and have success against them offensively, and maybe even score just about every time they have the ball. Short of uh, you know the sloppiness, some of the sloppiness we saw last week at Auburn, which would be penalties, turnovers, and uh, and things like that. I mean, Tech's defense is nowhere near as good as Auburn's uh, defense, but you know certainly what Tech does on offense, you know I think they've got a chance to you know put a little fright into you uh, 
from a from Georgia's defensive standpoint. I've seen a, a point spread on that game already, and it was we're favored by six and a half right now. Really? That's, yeah, that seems low. I know. I I thought it'd be <laughs> higher, so it kind of makes me nervous, uh. but. You know, as they say, I'll take a one-point win right now. As they say, you mean as your normal uh, yes. co-host in the afternoon says. All right, so uh, that's uh, what's coming up for the dogs. Uh, the college football playoff rankings came out, uh, the most recent ones anyway, and uh, Georgia fell from 1-7, to seven, which is about what you expected. Uh, then you have Auburn at 6, Ohio State uh, checks in at, uh, wait, no, 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 Wisconsin. Wisconsin that's right. Yeah. Ohio me. State is like Ohio nine. State's farther down. You know, the right. interesting team, I'm telling you, is Notre Dame. Still sitting there at number eight. They are. They There's are a, very A two-loss team is making the playoffs. See, I can't I can't take Wisconsin seriously because I can't even remember them when talking about the rankings. I mean, they, they haven't played anybody. They play Michigan this weekend. If you're a college football fan who wants the best matchups in the playoff, you need to be rooting hard for Michigan this weekend. Somebody needs to knock Wisconsin out. Yeah, you know, and oddly enough, I mean, Michigan can still win that division. They have to win at Wisconsin and then beat Ohio State, and then I think there'd be some sort of there'd tie. be some sort of a tiebreaker. It would come down to some ranking or something. But uh, yeah, Michigan still has a pulse. But yeah, they do have to win at Wisconsin this uh, uh, this uh, this weekend. I, I was the sucker. I, I took Iowa last weekend. I thought they would uh, you know, take care of business. Heck, yeah, sucker. Yes, I've got the big sucker stamp on my head. They had right sixty six yards after scoring fifty five on Ohio State. They had sixty six yards against Wisconsin. Ultimate letdown game. But yes, as the rankings shake out, Auburn six, Wisconsin five, Oklahoma four, Miami three, Clemson two, and Alabama number one. So all this talk of the SEC getting two teams in. What if Miami loses to Clemson in the ACC title game and that's their only loss? I'll tell you how the SEC can get two teams in. Auburn wins the Iron Bowl and then beats Georgia for the SEC title. Alabama and Auburn and we have an Iron Bowl national championship rematch. We would. (laughs) Alabama would be getting – in fact, I almost feel like Alabama's in already. Like Even if they lose the Iron Bowl, they're getting in. Because they're the number one team right now. So how much further can they fall? Yeah, I just if they they have one loss and their only loss is to uh, Auburn on the road, I think they're getting in. It's crazy. It's the year that LSU and them played a rematch for the national championship because Alabama's in such a perfect position right now. It's almost better if they lost the Iron Bowl because then they wouldn't have to play the SEC title game. They'd have more chance to heal up, get healthy, and they probably still get into the yeah. playoffs. I mean, the I mean, it's maybe if we want it, then that would put Bama, I think, on on edge. Yeah. Because then Auburn would be a three-loss team. Well, but they've all, the committee's also shown recency bias. Like they should. This week was a big example well, of sure. them showing recency yeah. bias. Yeah, because like Oklahoma lost at home to Iowa State, and Clemson lost uh, at Syracuse. Georgia lost at Auburn, but they're in the top four, yeah. and Georgia's number seven. And Auburn has two losses. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. But uh, including one of those losses is to a team that lost at home to Troy. Um, <laughs> The other loss isn't bad though. That's at Clemson. But, but if yeah, if, but if Bama loses to Auburn, then Alabama turns in basically to Auburn fans because if if Auburn wins the SEC and Bama's sitting there eleven and one with their only loss at Auburn, Alabama is one hundred percent in the playoff. You're gonna have Auburn, Alabama in the playoff. And then like the winner of the ACC, winner of the ACC title game, yeah. and then yeah, and then it's gonna come down to Oklahoma or even like I'm telling, I don't think Ohio State is dead. Yeah, I mean, Auburn has clearly uh, put themselves in a good position as a two-loss team where if they went out, they're going to be in the playoffs. So they'd be the first ever two-loss team to make the uh, college football playoff under this current format. Yeah, so. but if they close by beating us twice and Alabama once, there's like, and one of their two losses is at Clemson, 
I mean, there's they're 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 100% in too, even with two losses. So you don't think if Michigan beats Wisconsin this weekend that that eliminates the Big Ten? No, Ohio State so Ohio is very State's much still alive. Because here's a here's a scenario. Let's just say Alabama wins out, they're in. Yep. Um, the winner of the Clemson Miami game They'd be is in. in. Oklahoma wins out, they're in. They'd be in. Ohio State wins out. Who's the fourth team then? So you think Ohio State, I guess, is a conference champ, is what you're saying? Because they'd be uh, they they'd be the uh, the Big Ten champion. What about you know a one loss Miami, whose only loss was the Clemson in the ACC title game? I think Ohio State would get in. I might, maybe Miami still would have a chance then, but I think Ohio State would still get in. But okay, but let's just say Miami wins the ACC title. Then Clemson's so you, out. Okay, so you got Bama wins out. They're the SEC champ. Uh, Miami wins out. They're the ACC Oklahoma. champ. Oklahoma wins out. And Ohio State's in. So who's the fourth team? Yep. Ohio State still is. They're way alive. And I and I, after last night's ranking, I'm I'm asking myself: Is is Notre Dame? I mean, if they're gonna if they if they would consider taking a two loss Ohio State, would they just as easily say like, well, you know what? Let's put two loss Notre Dame in there. Then well, you too. look at Notre Dame's losses. I mean, one of them is to the number current number seven team. One of them's to the current number three team. So yeah, yeah, I guess there is a possibility. But like there is when they get when they get up there and explain, and I understand it. Like really, at the end of the day, it you know if teams just keep winning, it takes care of itself. But then what happens if there is a scenario where it doesn't necessarily take care of itself? So I get with Georgia falling from one to seven. In the end, it doesn't matter for the dogs. If we go win, 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 we're back in the uh, top four. But you know when that Kirby, what's his name, Kirby Holcutt. Yeah. When he gets on there and he starts talking about, well, why is Clemson ahead of Oklahoma? And they have a better resume. And in their own college football playoff rankings, Oklahoma has beaten three other teams in their top 15, two mm-hmm. of them on the road. But they say Clemson has a better resume than Oklahoma. So it makes no sense. Well, I, I think I think more than anything, it's just they end up changing their their criteria not just by the week, but by by the minute. Right. You know what I mean? All of this stuff is fluid. It, it's not – there is no set, this is what you have to have. They might like to make you think that that's the case, but they're human beings, man. They, they go through the same emotional toil that we do and watching college football. And that's why it bothers – see, I don't think they do, and that's the problem. Oh, you think they're robots. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they're not sitting around watching the games like we are. They probably get together and they start looking at scores and stuff. So you're the, saying they need more of the emotional toil that we have. They need more of that human element. Well, I mean, they, they don't need their, their biases to come in and play. Well, no, play that's not what it, I'm but. saying, though. But, but, I mean, just, just just as a fan, like, when you watch a game, like, for example, I am, try, as a neutral fan of college football, taking my red and black blood out of this, Auburn's a better football team than Georgia. You know why? Because they beat the crap out of us. Yeah, from what I saw Saturday, <laughs> like that, I agree with you. Like, that, like, even on a neutral field. I would still have Auburn as the favorite after watching what I did on Saturday. Yeah, right. But, um, you know, and, and it's reflected in the rankings because Auburn is a two-loss team. As right now they're ranked ahead of uh, Georgia. But, I mean, Clemson and Oklahoma do I mean, can I sit here and say one of those teams is definitely better than the other? So all you have is their results. But And, and again, when they're explaining the results and telling us, well, Clemson has a better resume – but Oklahoma has won at Ohio State, they've won at Oklahoma State, and they've got a home win over TCU. All three of those teams are in that playoff selection committee's own top 15, but they're telling me that Clemson has a better resume than Oklahoma. So it's just a complete contradiction. And that's, you know, and I, so many times it's just shrugged off as like, well, in the end it doesn't matter. It'll all take care of itself. It'll all work itself out. But will it? 
I mean, because this is what, I mean, these are these people that are making these rankings and they're telling me right now, you know, like, well, this one team's got a better resume than the other one when their own rankings would suggest that they, it, they don't. Well, people aren't going to be happy until you have a situation where, and, and it doesn't matter how many teams are in the playoff, you're always going to have, like, like if there's eight teams, well, then the ninth team yeah, is going to be like, well, hey, what about us? But I still think if you get to eight teams at some point and you can guarantee all the the power five a spot in the playoff, then maybe have a, a guaranteed spot for one non-power five team and then two wild cards, then you're creating far less opportunity for argument. Well, yeah, but well, but then those wild cards are going to be duking it out. They're, of course, I mean, the, the arguments will always be there. I won't be satisfied until the selection committee is entirely uh, AI. <laughs> and so you you want to go back to the BCS or just system, uh, or just let the uh, odds makers in Vegas settle it. Who tell let the, if they tell me who they think the top four teams is, I'll I'll believe them. Well, here's my thing: I never had a problem with the BCS because darn it, it usually got one versus two. You know, yeah, there, that, there, which was all it was intended to do. There might have been a year where it didn't, like the, the Nebraska-Miami year. Like, Nebraska shouldn't have been in that national title game. That probably should have been uh, maybe Oregon, uh, maybe Texas. There were some other teams yeah, that wouldn't had Wouldn't have mattered. Miami yeah. would have clubbed But Miami would have won. You're yeah. right. But I agree. I mean, I'm sort of with you. Like, the BCS system wasn't that bad. So if you had the BCS computers deciding who the best four or best eight teams are and you take out that that – sort of like you're talking about there, the double standard or the, the contradictions that the committee constantly gives, a computer can't do that. You know what I mean? Like like you have a formula and it's going to go by that formula. So it's certainly interesting to talk about, but I don't know. I would I would I would have more trust and faith in them. I'm sure occasionally they would spit out some wacky results. I mean I've seen some some computer projections. I mean, they've got a, that that have Ohio State as still the best team in the country. Some have Penn State still in the top four, and uh, and different things like that. But um, you know, I mean, st- it's still you just okay. I mean, why is Georgia ranked below Clemson and Oklahoma just because they lost Saturday as opposed to earlier? But Clemson, recency, bias. yeah. But Georgia has easily the least worst loss. I'd agree. Yeah, and Ball I mean, in the end, game. does it matter? No, because if Georgia wins out. Georgia will be in the playoff, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe there'll be a year where it does matter. I'll say this. I've said it on the morning show. I'll say it again. Here's a scenario that could be worst-case scenario for Georgia fans. Georgia beats Kentucky, beats Tech, loses the SEC title game. Right. Miami wins out, loses to Clemson in the ACC title game. You know what's going to happen, don't you? Georgia-Miami in the Peach Bowl. Uh, unless Miami still gets into the playoffs, right? Yeah. But if they don't, I mean, of course they would want to create a matchup. Well, absolutely. Like that. So yeah, these two, those two teams what, could have played last year right. in the bowl game. And what would suck about that is that the Peach Bowl kicks off on New Year's Day at twelve thirty. Yeah, <laughs> that is a horrible, horrible. That's too early for you. <laughs> well, maybe not for me, but for the understood me, yeah. as in the collective me, right. Which is people that want to go out and have fun on New Year's Eve? Yes. Yeah. That is very plus. I've got a Lady Dogs game here that tips off at six o'clock on New Year's Eve. Oh my God. Yeah. You need to call in sick for that. Not great. The Lady Dogs are playing at home at six PM on yes. New Year's Eve. Yes, they are. What what is the, the men's team actually plays I they think play it Kentucky. might be at the same time against Kentucky. Yeah, they're that's in rut. <laughs> what is the over under for the attendance Ooh. of the Lady Dogs game at six o'clock on New Year's Eve? Uh I am going to just say no comment. You 
And before I get in you trouble. You and everyone else who sits on that little row next <laughs> yes, to you. Yes, exactly. Before I get the table crew in trouble, we're going to finish up this episode of the crossover. We only have a few minutes here. We're going to talk about the Falcons. Six sacks from Adrian Claiborne, and they got a much-needed win against the Dallas Cowboys. Granted, the Cowboys didn't have their all-pro left tackle, uh, Tyron uh, Smith. And that definitely helped the Falcons. It definitely helped Adrian Claiborne get six sacks. Yeah, it did. But still, that was a very impressive performance. And I think for the rest of the season... This Falcons team, if they're going to be successful, they're going to be led by the defense. Well, they've got to, uh, you know, now Seattle Monday night is a huge game because that's another team right now that's not leading its division. No Richard Sherman. So you've got, uh, you know, big, big stakes for a potential tiebreaker if it comes to a wild card because Dallas isn't winning its division. Seattle's not in the first place there. And Atlanta ain't in first place in the South with what the Saints are doing right now. Only two games back, though. So, I mean, it's it's another enormous game. The one thing I liked, those three straight drives, the offense scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. There's 80 yards, 75 yard, and a 72 yard touchdown yeah. drive. So that kind of finally clicking a little. That was bit. like a little bit of a glimpse of what we saw last year. But look, Dan Quinn was brought in to improve this defense, and I really do echo what I just said. The defense is going to lead this team. I know Matt Ryan's the reigning MVP, but the offense just hasn't been clicking with the same regularity as they have in the past. So I kind of feel like that Dan Quinn is finally starting to get this defense where he wants it to. Adrian Claiborne, if he can continue to play well. Vic Beasley, uh, you know, obviously the defense is is healthy on the back end now, which certainly helps. But I I just think that this defense, and and I think Troy Aikman even said it during one of the games they had recently, he he really likes this Falcons defense. They've just got to kind of clean up some of the dumb mistakes. And it seemed like they did that this past week. You know, a big-time win over the Cowboys. So the Falcons, who will be, uh, like you said, taking on the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. A little bit of a revenge factor from last season when the Falcons got jobbed. So uh, hopefully the Falcons can go uh, go out to Seattle. The weather won't be too bad, fingers crossed. And uh, the Falcons can get a W and, uh, like you said, have that head-to-head sort of tiebreaker and teams that might be competing for a wild card with them. They beat the Cowboys, get a win over the Seahawks. You're looking pretty good. I thought the Falcons already got revenge, though, in the playoffs against Seattle. Well, they did. <laughs> But this is a uh, in this Seattle, is, okay. so it's 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 kind of shoving it back in their face. Well, what their last two home games, they it, they they had that late comeback against Houston, mm-hmm. and then didn't they lost to Washington, didn't yes, they? Yes, yeah, they Blair did. Walsh missed three field goals. Ooh, Maybe Blair man. Walsh will miss a couple field goals against the Falcons Monday night. My man, Blair <laughs> Walsh, that was hard to watch. Just it brought back some bad memories. I, I can't believe – I mean, I feel bad for him. No, I do. He's got, I got, he's got the yips or something. I can't believe they didn't cut him. Yeah, it was awful. All right, that'll wrap things up for this edition of The Crossover. Sam Franco, Chris Brame, don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes. We will be back next week with another exciting episode, hopefully after a Georgia win over Kentucky. And uh, we'll start sprinkling in some Georgia basketball into these podcasts too because that season has started. So for Chris Brame, I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out next week right here on 960theref.com with the Crossover Podcast. You've been listening to the Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brame on 960theref.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.